Yes, we're back. It's uh, episode 18 of the Hibs Ramble. Um, I'm joined today by the lovely Sean. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. And uh, making his podcast debut, uh, the very, very handsome, uh, the charming Mr. Mark Duncan. How are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. Um, Mark is, uh, is the guy who gave us the Parkhead Pie review last week, and it was so good, his uh, really in-depth 5 out of 20 that he gave it. He never gave us any other context, so we decided to invite him on uh, and, and grill him about it. No, I'm kidding on. Um, Mark's going to be joining us for the rest of the season, at, at the very least, anyway, if you're, if you're up for it, Mark. And um, it'll turn us from a family of three to a family of four. Uh, so you, you you better watch yourself, Sean, because uh, otherwise you might get kicked out. Put the average mm-hmm. BI, BMI up a wee bit. Dodgy performances, so uh, we'll wait and see. And uh, for those of you who are eagle-eyed and eagle-eared, Craig is not with us tonight. Um, he's still with us, uh, but he is uh, he's got prior engagements for his football team. He's at a, a committee meeting for an incident that, that happened at one of his football <laughs> games at the weekend and uh, I'm sure he'll tell us all about it when he gets back whenever he gets back but I actually think it's because we got beat on Friday and he, he doesn't he, want he to show face so when he comes back maybe full disclosure you know what I mean you maybe just let the cat out of the bag oh well I mean he'll probably tell us in the group chat and I will tell everyone anyway um, but we'll uh, we'll go back over to you Mark so just uh, just a wee bit about uh, your, your history being a Hibs fan um, and what made you want to get involved with the podcast um, yeah, been a Hibs fan for my full 24 years on this planet. <laughs> um, I did go through a wee phase of stop going into the game, so it was during the, the phase we were in the championship after we got relegated. Um, before that, I was a season ticket holder in the Famous Five, and it was Stopped actually... Going for it our best. Ah, uh, yeah, I know, I know. It was in lockdown that I fell back in love, and McClendon will tell you. Um, when we were having to watch the games for home and I would go around to McClendon's, this was in line with COVID rules, by the way, a disclaimer. Um, I'd go around <laughs> to McClendon's house, have a few beers and watch the Hibs games and I thought, you know what, I need to get a season ticket and get back to it. And then that's what happened. So, loving it. Been, uh, I don't think I've missed a game yet this season, so long may it continue. Wanted to get involved with the podcast, just um, been watching it. I think it's good. It's got a lot of potential and just want to hopefully help it grow. Eh? That's not what he said to us off camera, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, cheers Mark, it's, it's good to have you along mate uh, And we'll jump right into St Johnston at home A record, uh, not a record, but a, a highest home Hibs crowd for 30 years um, We said it last week, Sean, it was uh, it was a disaster waiting to happen, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the listeners will be glad that you're not getting a, another rant from me this week Thank uh, fucking God I can't really be asked to talk about that piss poor performance um, and result. So once again, the fans turn up and Hibernian Football Club and everyone involved let them down. So thank you very much for ruining my weekend. <laughs> and that's all from us folks. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, it's, it's actually got a little bit added spice to you, Friday's game, doesn't it, Sean? Because you were meant to be watching, what was it, Juventus and Empoli in Turin? Uh, Yes, so my original weekend plans were to go to Turin to watch Juventus Empoli, Milan for Milan-Monza on the Saturday, and Barcelona-Bilbao and Barcelona on the Sunday. 
but instead I found myself in the Famous Five lower watching that on Friday because uh, Italy decided to have a nationwide airstrike on Friday, so I couldn't get into Italy. So my well, trip was postponed today. Can I just say one thing as a very, very sincere get it clean up here. You'll not get any sympathy from me. Uh, and you, did you, you why did you, you ask about it then? You got what you fucking deserve. So why did you make an arse of yourself on the <laughs> podcast in front of everyone? Did you get um, a refund? Did you get a refund? Not really worked out for you. No, you'll be working tirelessly to get that back. But Mark, you and I were in the Iona when the team was announced. Um, we went for a 3-5-2. There was two changes. Kenny and McCurdy were out. Rocky and McGuinness came in. Did you feel that that was the best lineup that we had, given the personnel that was available? Probably. Kenna, I don't really know what Kenna's done, deserved to be dropped, but I can understand being at home in front of a bumper crowd, you probably want to go for a wee bit more attacking option, so I can understand why Kenna's been dropped. I thought it was a good team, I thought we'd done well for 60-odd minutes, like we'll probably talk about. The mistake that I think we made, ultimately, was we left the substitutions too late. As soon as McGuinness gets sent off, we should bring Ken on, control the midfield, control that area of the pitch, and then hold on to that one now but we've let the game slide away from us and by the time he's made some changes I think it was just too late the game they already had the momentum the game was away from us but in terms of the starting lineup I thought it was I had no complaints when it came out yeah no I think I was the same I was I wasn't surprised to see McGuinness come back in I was however surprised to see him go with two up front Sean and when we've been well, throughout the, the Lee Johnson reign, we've been used to the three in the middle and the three up front. Did you think that moving to a back five and sacrificing one of the, the front options was the right call? Uh, no. Uh, and I was um, very annoyed to see the team when it was announced and the shape because I feel like it was a game too late. Uh, I feel like that's the shape and potentially the team that you should have went with at Parkhead. Um, or I most certainly think that. I said it in the build-up to the Celtic game and I said it in the review after after the game that I just don't I, I just didn't see any positive from changing the shape to to a 3-5-2 um, because but you don't think that there's a positive in the fact that Chabrion and Cadden are freed up a little bit more uh, no because the way that we've been playing all season they've been pretty much wingers anyway and they've been very attacking so um, you're adding another centre, you're taking a, a centre or a holding midfielder out and you're putting a centre half in. So no, Kenny was pretty much already dropping into the hole and, and being a, a third defender, so to speak, um, which allowed the fullbacks to push up as they have all season. Um, I was quite excited with uh, Kukarevich and Boyle up top together as a two. Um, and I did like the fact that um, McGuinness was starting as well. I was keen to see McGuinness start, but um, I said last week I didn't want it to come at the detriment of changing to a 3-5-2 at home to St Johnston, who, until after the game, I didn't even realise that uh, Dre Wright was on the park and started. I didn't so realise that until the second half. And I didn't realise that after the game, mate. It was, honestly, I, I don't... I just... You, they're play, they're, they played with three at the back, with two wing backs, so they ultimately had five defenders. So why on earth at home to St Johnston, a game that we need to win, are we playing 
with three centre halves. I just I I don't I I understand that it gets more bodies going forward, but it just it, it it's the wrong game wrong game for me. I know to, to be to be honest, that. I think the the change of shape change of personnel yeah, but I feel like bringing Kenny out was maybe a little bit harsh. Um, I think ultimately <laughs> the change of shape was for um, the fullbacks. I think at Celtic Park they really worried me. Cadden especially worried me. Um, Playing in a four, ultimately, yeah, they're getting up, they're attacking, they're doing whatever, but they have to defend. And I might be a, a little bit too far here, but Cadden can he defend, and I don't think Cabrera is the greatest defender either. His positioning isn't great, so bringing it in at a five, having three centre halves, it allows them to get up the park further, and it means that if they if they aren't able to defend, we've still got three there. And I thought for 60 minutes of the game, it was going well. Ultimately, I thought it was going well. I thought the shape looked all right. I thought we were doing decent and we all know what happened. But I I, I honestly don't mind. I, you know, People call it a five, people call it a three, but I honestly don't mind that because it does allow Cadden and Cabraja, whoever were playing in the fullback position, to get up a wee bit further. But like no, you said, we've been yeah, a lot of players. I think you looked okay without actually doing anything, though, for 60 minutes. Lee Johnson came out and said we were absolutely brilliant for 60 minutes, which is a piece I don't of think we were. I don't think we were brilliant. I don't think nah, we were absolutely brilliant. I don't know but where, we, where got that from. No, but I mean, we, ha- we did have a lot of pressure. I'll, I'll come on to this now. We had early pressure. Um, Kukarevich had a really, really good chance that he made the goalie make a save uh, before he scored. Then, obviously, we got the goal, which I thought was a really well-worked goal. Given the fact, you know, it's tried to go in once, came back out, fed back out to Cadden, and he's put a pin perfect ball on uh, Kukarevic's forehead, and he's, you know, he's powered at home. I thought it was a, a really good goal. It's obviously what. Yeah, mate, I, to be honest, I think it's what Kukarevic has been brought in to do, get on the end of Cadden's crosses, because there was far too many times last season where Cadden whipped it in, and there was nobody there, nobody there to head it home. And this boy's, what, six foot four? He's here, to, he's here to score heaters and hopefully it, long may it continue. But even after that, mate, even after and into the second half, we had about four or five really, really good chances to score again. And eat. We, we, we could have been about five and a lot before the red card. Do you know, Hank? Aye. It was flat for me. It was too flat. I think we, we had sustained pressure, but for me, it still just felt like there was something missing, that bite in midfield. To get to that next level, we had and the bite up front as well. We're missing this, but we did really, have really some badly. chances, aye. But there was, for me, saying we, we should have been five now up. I don't know. I, did, I didn't see the chances where we thought, oh, that was that should have absolutely one hundred percent been a goal. Aye. It was flat for me. The bite in midfield no, has the game for Noah Kenny all season as well, which again just sums up kind of how how the night went. I, I agree with what Mark was saying with the, the fullbacks and that getting up. So. It just it's just such a strange strange outcome to the game. Um and I think Lee Johnson will, will learn a lot from it. Um but I agree I don't think a lot of them were clear cut. I think there was a couple of times where our final pass or our our, our, our final ball was very poor. That one that Cadden eh, no Cadden, sorry, Campbell could have played out wide into Boyle and he would have been through one and one as well. And there was two or three instances like that. And I just I what it seemed to, for me, was every time we missed a chance, it was almost like the players were going, oh, it's all right, we'll get another one and score it. Oh, it's all right, we'll get another one and score it. And then 
obviously we're going to talk about the red card now, but for, before that, I want to talk about McGuinness's first yellow card because I watched the highlights back this morning and oh my God, what a stupid challenge for the first yellow card. Yeah. Do you remember uh, what he did? He just absolutely he like lunges in with his back. Tries to come out of it, though, eh? Try, he, try, he, he tries, tries to pull to come out. out of it. But it's, a, it's, it's one, uh, uh, that he, didn't, he doesn't need to make that tackle. Two, he goes in aggressively, then pulls out. Three, it's a stupid place in the park. It's just inside their half. And yeah, they were punting the ball forward. There's absolutely no need for him to foul there. Stupid. And then the second yell, that's, that's, that's probably worse. I think, I think even although the first one is more than likely a booking, I think it's still harsh on him because he, he, he does try and pull out and turn away from it. But um, you're, taught, you're taught as a laddie though, Sean, you can't pull out the challenges when you've committed. No, I know, but he knows that he's not going to make the ball. So that's why he's pulled out and tried to get away from it to try and prevent himself getting the yellow card. And I think if that happens in the first half, I don't think he gets the booking, um, which again is just inconsistent refereeing. Um which happens everywhere. Um, I think because of the the time of the time of the match and stuff like that as well. I just think I think I think I think if he does that first 10, 15 minutes of the game and and pulls out and turns away to stop himself making what would have been a bad challenge, I don't think he gets a book in. Um, yeah. But then again, his second one's even even more stupid because you should know. Do you know what I mean? That you're on the book in and mm. you should be aware. Yeah, Mark. He, he lunges in, doesn't he? And he doesn't he really take any of the ball? Silly challenge for you, is it? I think there's two reasons why he's been sent off. First of all, his level of arousal is through the roof because it's his first game back. Level of arousal, <laughs> by the way, it's not what you're thinking. <laughs> it's his first game back for a, from a horrendous injury in terms of his first start in front of a bumper crowd. He's buzzing, he wants to get every ball, win every challenge. That I think that's the first reason why he's maybe got that first book in needless. Second reason for the, the second yellow, I think he's dead on his feet. I don't think he's got the 90 minutes. I, mean, I don't even think he's got half in him yet. I think he should still be brought on as an impact sub. I think it was maybe too early. Who am I to say that? I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But it looked that way. And you could tell a mile off that he needed to come off. He didn't have the legs. And then he goes for that second challenge. Like you say, in the middle of the park, nothing's happening. Totally needless. Um, and I think, for me, Johnson should have seen that a wee bit earlier. I think, right, he's on a book in. He's back for injury, he's not fully fit yet. Let's get him off about half time or just after the yellow card. Bring on Kenna and then we for me we go and win the game. If we don't get that man off, we, we comfortably win that game. So frustrating, but yeah. Which then makes the Johnson's comments at the end of the game even more strange as well, considering he'd had no intention of bringing him off because um they were tracking him via GPS and he was doing that well and he was he was breaking all everyone else's um distance covered and stuff like that so I feel like again Johnson with that and saying that we were brilliant for 60 minutes I feel like he was just clutching at straws for the two excuses of things that he should have actually done earlier do you think it's do you think it's one or the other to blame or do you think one is more to blame than the other between McGuinness and Johnson well ultimately I think it comes down to the down to the manager if the if the manager and their staff at the side of the park were smart enough Regardless of how fast he's ran and or how much distance he's covered, you should understand that he's on a yellow card. So I thought him or Campbell or both of them could have potentially came off or should have came off. And I think the only reason Campbell doesn't come off is because McGuinness then gets subbed, eh, gets sent off. Sorry, I think give it give it another five or ten minutes and one or both of them would have been off the park. 
there's a box there's a box stop play McGinnis then Mark or do you think well, be, well because Johnson doesn't tell McGinnis to lunge in for that challenge or the yeah. first one forgive me if I'm wrong but I've not watched the highlights I'm sure Lee Johnson took off Kukarevich didn't he because he was on a yellow so yeah. for me he knows yeah. Kukarevich is fully fit he's been playing for weeks and he still Kukarevich takes him was off. desperate to get sent off he, was, he takes him off because he's on a yellow surely you know I, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone in the stands knew what was coming McGinnis on a yellow he was reckless he was going in for things so for me yeah McGinnis has made the challenge and he's been silly and he could have got he shouldn't have done that but for me Johnson should have maybe taken him off but like I said we don't know what's going on in the background maybe he's looked really sharp and he's looked fully fit but I just don't think he looked ready to be starting the game certainly as we came into the second half he looked he looked dead on his feet and it, when it, you're yeah, dead on your feet that makes, it makes his comments even weirder because he tried to justify why he kept him on because of yeah. his distance so maybe he'll maybe he'll learn from it I think the last three three games Johnson should have hopefully learned a lot and uh, hopefully he doesn't make mistakes like that again as a manager. We'll see, we'll see. But shifting the blame from one Hibs player to another, um, we'll talk about the St Johnston, the first St Johnston goal. And I'm I'm laughing here while I'm talking about it because I cannot believe that the the player to blame for being soft as shite in the box defending a corner is Ryan Porteous. He's been superb this season, and he's it's as if the every ball that's coming at the box is he did it away. You know, he's trying he's trying to heed it back to Seafield or whatever. He's, he's been brilliant in defending balls at the box. But, Mark, this time, Nicky Clark, a couple of hands on the back, didn't to me look like a push at all. Uh, and he goes down really, really easily and Nicky Clark tucks it away with the head. Aye, and look, you're right, he's been brilliant. And that, for me, is nothing to do with going down to 10 men. That's defending and... I really like how clever Portis is. Well, I'm sure people will call it cheating. I call it clever. The way he goes down sometimes. But sometimes you see it. He maybe just overdoes it a wee bit. And referees are are getting wiser and wiser and wiser. At him. So when he starts going down and when he starts trying to buy fouls, referees are just going to continue playing more and more often. So I think he needs to just, fair enough, still buy fouls, still win, win free kicks and all that. That's great. But in positions like that, in the box, when the ball's coming in, they've got a big side, a big aerial threat, just defend it. Just get it away. You can buy fouls maybe in you know, in the middle of the pitch or something like that. But when you're defending a set piece like that, just get the ball away. Yeah, what did you think about it? A big physical side and two midgets scored two headers against us and beat Ryan Porteous. Just to both, both balls, honestly. What did you think about the first goal though, Sean? Um, piss poor to concede, really annoying. Um, as Mark said, like I, I am a big advocate of Portress and his antics, but the referees are becoming wiser. And I think maybe now, especially with VAR being in, the refs can take that risk of letting play run ahead and see what happens and then maybe bring it back for a foul. But um, it's the, the softest two hands on the back that you'll ever see. And the fact that he's even taken the risk there is, is ridiculous. It's silly um, for me. Really, really very, very silly. Got rid of it. Um, and the second goal as well is just as bad by Portress as well. So, um, yeah. very, we'll, very we'll move good. on to that. I mean, I've got here that that was really the first proper St. Johnston chance of the game, which shows you, you know, how little they created and they kind of turned on after we got the red card. 
like you said, it's a really poor goal to concede. It's an annoying goal to concede. Um, when you think about how good we have been at the back this season and how good Ryan Poaches has been specifically. Um, and then a wee bit later on, Poaches, again, I wouldn't say he's fully to blame for this, but I feel like he gets wrong side Stevie May. Um, Chabria has a chance to wipe McGowan out before the cross comes in. Uh, it ends up getting whipped in and Stevie May just beats Poaches for strength. And gets his gets his head on it. No, it's no, no, David Marshall can do. Your mouth, eh? Stevie may beating Porteous for strength. Eh? That's that's poor. That's yeah, no, it is, it is poor. And I feel like that was probably a a worse a worse goal to concede, a poorer goal to concede from a Hibs point of view than the first one. Um, not just because it was five minutes before full time, but just the the amount of chances that we had to get it out of there. Chabria um, has, you know two or three chances to wipe McGowan out, Mark, before he kind of half loses the ball, pops it back to the, the guy, I don't, even, I don't even fucking know who it was, uh, who puts in the cross and... Conor McClellan. Was it him? And then, um, you know, Poach is just getting beaten. You know, for you, it's obviously not something that we've been used to seeing uh, this season from Ryan Poach. Were you disappointed? Yeah, I think, you know, I'd... Immediately following it, I wasn't disappointed in Ryan Porteous, partly because I, I barely saw the goal. But it's one of them when you go down to ten men, you, you need to you need to be solid, right? And conceding that first goal, I thought we're in trouble here. All the momentum goes to St. Johnson. The crowd was completely flat. People were flooding out already at one-one, and you think we're in a lot of trouble here. And then that's when all the players start to do things that they don't usually do. Instead of clearing it, or instead of keeping the ball and keeping possession, they start to do stupid things that they don't usually do and maybe you know that's what happened with Porteous with, with the second goal as well and Kibraj but yeah it was really disappointing because he has been immense he's you know I've been his biggest advocate this season he's been absolutely immense so he's still young you know he still has maybe makes his mistakes has these games but he'll bounce back I'm sure yeah I think it's it's silly of us I mean Porteous doesn't two mistakes doesn't make Porteous a shit player um but you know it's it's disappointing from definitely looking at it back, you know I, I think I'm, I'm with you, Mark. I wasn't disappointed in Porteous initially um, <clears throat> when the goal went in. Uh, if anything, I thought, oh for fuck's sake, here we go again because we've seen that all too often from St. Johnson. They always manage to get something late on against us at Easter Road. But um, watching it back this morning on the highlights, I was I was pretty disappointed about how poorly Porteous defended it and. You know, like we say, that's not a characteristic that that Ryan's shown this season, uh, and hopefully he'll bounce back. I've I've got absolutely no doubt that he'll bounce back and and put in probably a, a man of the match performance on Saturday, Sean. What do you think? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think he will bounce back, and I think we as a team will bounce back on Saturday as well. Um, although the St John St Mirren are flying at the moment, so, they are. Uh, and they're creating lots of chances. They're, I think they've hit the woodwork ten times this season already. Um, so it just goes. I to saw that stat as well. I saw that stat. Did you see it on Twitter? And it said Hibs uh, uh, and Kilmarnock have, have been. Zero. And, and they were like, "Oh, it's a it's a it's a disgrace that Hibs and Kilmarnock haven't hit the post of the bar this season." <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's, it's are, are doing well this, this season. So uh, hopefully that that comes to an end on Saturday. Yeah. And just the, the last point on the St. Johnson game, 
was the and now I don't know if VR ruled out the penalty or if VR uh, if the play just kept going and then VR pulled it back for offside. I'm not too they sure what the referee actually gave. They pulled it back for offside and it was an off it was a free kick that was given for offside. But the, but did the referee give the penalty and that's penalty. why it was pulled yeah, he, back? He gave, he gave the penalty and then um, it got checked and pulled it back for offside. I don't it's, know a, if it's, it's, a, it's a silly offside as well because he, the, the player's out wide. I think it's Tavares is out wide. So like he should be able to see along the line as well. There's no really any need for him to be offside, yeah. I don't think. I don't know if you've and seen the screenshot, Mark. Well. Shut up, Sean. Come on. <laughs> Try to talk to him. Try to answer the question. Jeez, <laughs> I was saying, I don't know if you've seen the still, eh, Mark, of the lines being drawn. It's a bit it's a bit surreal to see it with um, you know, Hibs and St. Johnson players, the VER. But, you know, he's he's offside by a toenail. I don't think there's anything that we can really complain about. Um you know, it's it would have been nice to have the penalty. <laughs> and yeah, nice to get the draw, but it's, it's here to make decisions like that, you know, and if if uh, it had happened at the other end, then we would have been, you know, would have been shouting for it to be called, called off. But did you think that? Uh, did you enjoy VR being at the game? No, really, not. No, really. I, I I don't like VR anyway, to be honest. And I it's good for some decisions and all that. But do you know what I hated is they stopped the game every time a goal was scored, and they waited yeah. how long? Two, three, four minutes before we kicked off again. Kind of takes I all hate, the passion. It's just like. It, I hate football when the flow's interrupted, and that's why I, I mean I, you'll have heard me moan about it loads. See when players go down with injuries if they're holding on to a draw or holding, I hate it. And I think football should have a stop clock so that any time it happens, the game stops and then we k- kick off again, and there's no injury time. Because how many <laughs> times have we seen 15 minutes of injuries and then we get three minutes injury time? It's an absolute farce. But anyway, it always happens against Johnson as well. Um, the the offside eye is what it is. It was offside. We can't really argue it. But the thing that frustrated me about that is why did we we brought on McCurdy, Yuan, and Tavares, right? Not exactly, you know, blessed with height, but we continued to play the same style in terms of getting balls in the box, crossing the ball. That ball that that led to the penalty that was chopped off. Why are we not doing that more? Threading it in behind, using the pace, using mm. the players we've got in the park. Because you see what came for it. It was just about a goal or a penalty. Why not just do that more? Keep feeding it in behind the defenders. Instead, you're still whipping the ball into guys that are never going to head against that mob. No chance. So that was the one thing that frustrated me about that passage of play. No, I agree. But VAR, Sean, how did you feel about it? Also, can we get a wee comparison as to how it was uh, implemented in Scotland and how it was implemented in Italy and Spain in the games that you went to watch on the weekend? Um, Well, when I was blessed to see nine goals over the over the weekend and, and the other two games that I managed to get to. So um you wouldn't have known that they were all getting checked for VAR, put it that way. But that I think that comes over time. Um I don't understand why it took so long to check the goals anyway, because especially when St Johnson scored, they were they were celebrating with their fans for ages. Like they were already celebrating and so were we for our goal for a good couple of minutes before the teams had got back to the halfway line to restart. So I think, you know, maybe for between now and the end of the season, there will be maybe teething issues like that. Um, I've said a couple of podcasts ago that I do actually like VAR. I think it's just the way that it's implemented and managed by certain associations that make it look poor. Um, so there will England. be teething issues. England, that's England, England in particular. Um, 
in in most of Europe it goes smoothly, um, and in Australia, from when I've watched games over there, it goes smoothly as well. So, um, you wouldn't have known that things were getting checked in in Italy and Spain when when those when those goals were going ahead. And plus, they've had it for so many seasons now that they're used to things like that getting checked as well. Um, so it becomes yeah. a bit of a pantomime. Sorry, mate, on you go. No, on you go. Crack on. <laughs> it's the same Muppets running VR. That's the problem that we've got in Scotland. It's the same absolute idiots running VR as the ones that are on the pitch at the weekend. What blows my mind is that we've paid all this money for VR. We've got all these clubs to say, oh, I will ch- we'll do a whip round, we'll pay for VR, we'll do whatever. But they've still not made the referees professional. Why not make the referees professional, have them coming along to training on a daily basis, practising, going over the rules, a bit of consistency then bring in VER so that we're all singing off the same hymn sheet instead of just random PE teachers coming and showing up on a Saturday and refereeing the game. That's my... They're, they're idiots. They're rubbish referees. You get paid quid. Aye. I said uh, in the chat after the game, it's like they're too scared to make the wrong decision with VAR as well. And that's why things are taking a little bit longer. And I think that will happen between now and end of the season. But I've thought for, for years that they should be made pro. Um, but unfortunately, that's I think not the case. I do has. think making them pro would would improve the standard. Obviously, people will still be raging, and they'll, you can't kind of please everyone. But um, yeah, I do think making making them pro would certainly help, and it should have been done years ago. But the, the, yeah. for, you'll see you'll see now between now and the end of the season, you'll see a lot of decisions that will happen with VAR that will take their time because they'll be too scared to make the wrong decision. There's one thing with VAR, just before we move on, that I would really like to see change, and that is uh, Barry the announcer not announcing the, <laughs> the decision after every time there's a check. Uh, He's getting well excited. Well, he was getting excited, and then he, and then he was going, and that's a goal for St. Johnson scored by number seven, Stevie, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He sounds decision. so deflated when, when someone else scores. VAR yeah. decision goal. So I don't know if there's going to be any VAR tomorrow, Sean, in our game against Nons in uh, UEFA Youth League. Do you know if there's going to be VAR or not? Uh, to my knowledge, there is not, no. Good. A good, honest, working man's game of football. Uh, we're all going. Uh, Sean and Craig are sitting in the famous five lower next to Block 7. They're going to be causing all the trouble. Uh, whereas Mark and myself are, will be be as far away as possible. So, so we we are sitting we are sitting in the in the east. Are we Ironically, Mark? the two the two oldest on the podcast are the ones that are in the famous five war. <laughs> it'll be good though. It'll be uh, it'll be good to see. We're we're um, we had a chat with Block Seven a couple of weeks ago now. If you've not heard it, uh, make sure you go back and have a little listen to to all. Oh, it was uh, we just had a wee chat through you know how they started and what their ambitions are and stuff and they they highlighted this game as as one of their you know kind of Large trials yeah as, as one of their trials for getting that singing section into the famous five lower so it will be really interesting i think yourself mark was the only person who was there the last time uh, there was a uh, block seven were in the famous five lower so it'll be good for us all to go along and see how it works and how it sounds and stuff much better and i really like blocks of and i think they're brilliant i think they're a good bunch of lads are not like uh singing sections that we've had before that are just idiots they're a good bunch of lads but i, I have to say i don't like that strip that they've got in the the east 
I just think it does them no favours for the atmosphere and all that, whereas Famous Five Lower, I think that'll do them the world of good, especially, and I was saying against uh, Hearts, when we scored the last minute equaliser, see if the, yeah. you'd had block seven in that stand, can you imagine how much better it would have looked for the telly and all that people watching, so aye, good luck to them. Yeah, to be fair, Mark's only here for the limbs. Mark loves being <laughs> the limbs and the jumping about. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I completely agree with you. I think it's um I'm really looking forward to to seeing how it looks and how it sounds and stuff. Obviously I saw the pictures of the last game when they played Molde and it, it did look really good, the pictures and the videos. But we'll be able to go and see it in person. Uh tomorrow night. Uh and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Nonce I managed to pull a little bit a couple of stats on on the uh, non Sunday nineteens, which is maybe a little bit <laughs> a little bit ironic. <laughs> here's, here's me uh, having a look at under nineteens for a team called Nons, but they've won one, lost two of their last three. Um, I couldn't find, however, find any data on Hibs nineteens, so fuck knows how they've been getting on. Um. But I think Hibs Guaranteed can guaranteed victory for the boys tomorrow. Guaranteed victory. I think Hibs can definitely go into this with a lot of confidence after the game against Mulder. Mark, you were there, they played pretty well, didn't they? Um you were impressed by a couple of them. A lot, aye, they were really, really good. It was a brilliant game. I thought I came in and when I first looked, I thought, God, we were gonna get hammered here because you should have seen the size of that team. They were all massive, that Mulder team, and we didn't look very much in terms of size and strength, but I tell you what, there was some really, really good players. We Aitken in the middle of the park, he was our captain. He was unbelievable, especially the first half. And then uh, we McIntyre in the full-back, up and down, really strong, cool as you like with the penalty to win it. I thought there was loads of players. O'Connor, I thought he maybe tried a wee bit too hard. He was desperate to get that goal. Um, he was maybe trying think, like trying shots when he shouldn't have and just forcing it, but he was still he done, absolutely done brilliant. For the goal, eh? O'Connor, and got the, got, the, got the space and got the ball in for the goal so I thought there was pretty much everyone in the park impressed me to be honest and I, like I said it was a brilliant game it was the energy I know they're all young lads but my god they were busting a gut for the full 90 minutes and uh, it, was, it was a brilliant game to watch yeah I'm really looking forward to it I think um, it's we've got a lot of exciting players you know, I've got down here Murray Aitken Josh Connor uh, Zaid who are all very exciting players who Played well last time out. Hopefully they can get over the line. And that's all we're going to be talking about the 19s game because I can fuck all about the rest of it, to be honest with you. Um, but no, best of luck to the lads. Um, really, really hoping for a good performance and a win to take over to France for the second leg. Are we going to that away game? That'll be some pie review over there, eh? Absolutely, aye. What kind of pie would that be? A brie pie? Or not? What else? A croissant pie? <laughs> But yeah, so now we're going to we're just going to go through a couple of listener questions. Um, we're going to preview the Simmering game. We are going to preview the Simmering game after the listener questions, Sean. All right, okay. Come on, that's eh? fine. I'm just changing. Yeah. I'm just changing it up a bit here, eh? You know, Craig's right, okay. not here. The cat's away, so Liam will play about with the running order. I thought you were the boss. Ah well, I need to say on air. That, uh, that Craig's a boss, but you know, it's, right, right. you've been done out your own podcast already. Man. It's really me, it's really me. So, no, it wasn't what I was saying pre recording. What I was saying pre recording was that Craig, you know, has absolutely no influence here. You have no authority here, Craig Leach, no authority at all. 
But if you ever want to get involved with sending us questions, then head over to our Twitter at the Hibs Ramble. We put up a tweet every every day that we're going to record uh, and ask for you all to submit your questions. So we did that this morning and we've got quite a few questions back. So to kick us off today, we've got Jack and he asks, seeing as Johnson has played it in the past, what would your thoughts be on a 4-4-2 versus St Mirren with Campbell on poor form and McGuinness out? means that we could have more options in attack and stick to a reliable two of Kenny and Newell. What would you think? Tell me who our wingers would be that are not strikers. Would be my question to that. Uh, you could maybe chuck Jair in there. I thought he was alright when he came on on Friday. Okay. okay. Um, and why are you asking me? As Jack I'm, I'm, the question. I'm throwing the question back. I don't think Jack. we have. Apart <laughs> from uh, Boyle, I don't think we have any out-and-out well, wingers of real quality well, like to, play Boyle, four, to, to play in a 4-4-2 well, could you not put Boyle on the wing and then or McCurdy on the wing and then have Yuan and Kukarevich up front yeah but I said apart from Boyle we don't have any out-and-out wingers and McCurdy is certainly not a winger oh well I think we'll revert back to a 4-3-3 to be honest I'd be surprised yeah. if he goes back to, to 5 without um, McGuinness I think he'll revert back to a 4-3-3 I'm not a huge and, fan of 4-4-2 anyway. Nah. Jack, and Jack says that Campbell's on poor form as well. I think Campbell's been all right. Then he get me started uh, on him. And uh, you, you know the biggest <laughs> fan of Josh Campbell, are you? But I think he's been all right recently. He's Josh not been, as... been unplayable in the 10 and, and, and this season. So I don't know what you're on about, Mark. You, got, you <laughs> let him win you over. Let him win you over. Come on. No. Yeah, he's, he's won me over, to be honest. He really I'm has. Playably. Uh, and Jack also asks, what's your match day routine? We'll go to you first, Mark. What is your match day routine? So this is a good one, actually, because I actually do have a proper routine. So on a Saturday, believe it or not, even though I am a fat bastard, I go to the gym about (laughs) eight in the morning and I do classes, shout out to Elevate 98, um, go to do some PT, do some classes, and then I head home at about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. On the way home, religiously, in the car, I play Saturday night on the way home, (laughs) full blast, windows down. And then I'll get home, have a shower, get changed, and then I'll go either to the Albion bar or Iona, have a few pints, and then watch the soccer, and then go and get absolutely do all the work that you've just done in the morning. Well, that's the only reason why I go on a Saturday morning is so that I can uh, don't feel as guilty having ten pints followed by a Donna Calzone at <laughs> night time. <laughs> Sean, what's your match day routine? Yeah, I actually don't have a match day routine at all. I'm not as all right. Um, well, well, we'll stop you there. I'm not as I'm not as anal as you guys. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I think my match day routine is I'll I'll just meet my, my dad in Iona and then go to the game and then usually go back to the Iona with Mark and my dad and Paddy. Paddy the baddest. That's, and that's that's it, really. There's no much a routine. Mark, you've probably got the best routine at the lot of us. Uh, John asks, what's for dinner? And he's not got any other questions. John, John asks us what's for dinner every single week. And... Um, <laughs> We've now resorted to asking him back what he's having for his dinner. So, what did you have for your dinner, Mark? I had feta and tomato pasta, aka the TikTok nice. dish, if anyone's ever. Oh, really? Did Emily it. make it? Or did yes. you make it? Yes, I mean, it's very easy to make, but it was, was lovely. Was it good? Lovely, yeah. What did you have, Sean? Uh, uh, chicken and prawn pasta. It's beautiful. Well, I'll complete the pasta trifecta as I had a tomato and chilli with bacon pasta. And it was delicious. So Thank we all had pasta then, eh? Good night, yeah, all Absolute hat trick. John, what did you have? And if you didn't have pasta, please don't tell us. 
Uh, <laughs> Kevin asks another uh, regular contributor, similar to the Motherwell game, we seem to slow the game down after going 1-0 up, even before the red card. Are we being aggressive enough against teams at home? And I think no, because like I said earlier, I felt like we had a lot of chances that when we missed it, we kind of had the, the body language of, well, it doesn't matter because we're going to score anyway. And then we didn't. And we conceded too. Do you think that's fair assessment, Sean? Uh, no, I agree. We were very aggressive at home even after we scored against Aberdeen and Kilmarnock. So it was kind of unusual to see kind of the change um, or, or the drop-off, so to speak. Um, could be due to a number of factors, you know, tiredness of the same players playing the same games so for so many games in a row. I don't know. Maybe it did need a bit of freshen up. But, um, nah, I, I think we do need to see a little bit more aggressiveness with the players, try and kill the game off earlier. Too many times we've had too many chances and Lee Johnson's alluded to it that we need to start actually finishing them. Um, and we all, th- you've said it yourself, Liam, you know, it is only a matter of time till a side gets a doing. So, um, I've said that since the start of the season, Sean. There's no come yet. Uh, exactly. So it will come eventually. We're creating enough chances, but we're just not putting them to bed. Um, so hopefully when we take the lead on Saturday, um, we don't drop off and we, we go and get another one. Fair enough. Uh, right, Mark, I'm going to ask you this one because I think uh, Ali took a, a bit of time to, to word this properly. You ready to brace yourself? Right, Lee Johnson said data was a key factor behind McGuinness be, not being subbed on Friday. It was McGuinness's first start in a year, so tiredness would have to come into play. Are we now in an age where numbers hold more power than what we can see unfolding? It's interesting. I agree. I think that he's human at the end of the day. He's been out for how long after really serious injury? He's been back in training for, what, a month? He's only had something like 60 minutes under his belt to come in and expect him to play 90 minutes. I think it's it's true. You can read all the numbers on a screen. You can have all the data that you want, but ultimately you need to assess what's out on the pitch. And I am no sports scientist or anything like that, but I could tell he was he was dead on his feet. I didn't have any numbers in front of me, but and I'm sure you know a lot of people that I spoke to after the game during the game said the exact same thing that he looked dead on his feet. And when you are in that position, in the middle of the park in particular, in a game like that, you're going to make a reckless challenge to compensate for being knackered. So yeah, look, I, I think Johnson might have come out and said that almost to kind of maybe not cover his own back, but just almost divert away from the performance, away from the result and away from the red card. He might have came out and said something like that. I think he's he's probably knows that he should have maybe taken him off early. So I think he might just be diverting away from the reality. I agree. I agree. Uh, and Ali's second question was, last pod, Liam talked about how Aberdeen could be seen as a six-pointer. Given St Mirren's decent start, would you now see Saturday's game as a six-pointer now as well? And if you're asking me, Ali, I would say yes. I think all the games from now until the break are must-wins, really, to kind of keep this momentum up and get us a good points tally before the break. I was fully confident that we were going to beat St. Johnson on Friday night, so... I would imagine that the players probably thought that as well. So we're going to need to take confidence from something. 
I know St. John, uh, St. Mirren have had a good start, but again, it's a team that we should be beating. Do you agree, Sean? Completely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on everything that you just said for once, so congrats to you. Well, it must be a blue moon, <laughs> if you'll agree with me. Uh, Gav Dick, he'll be delighted to know that Craig's not here to butcher him this week because his spelling in, in this tweet is nothing short of absolutely abysmal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, Gav. <laughs> Uh, do you think we should try and uh, is I've got you've got to applaud him. He's tried to spell Kukarevich, but he's said, do you think we should try Kuk Kukravich, K U K R A V I C, and McCurdy in a front two? Personally, I wouldn't mind seeing it. You know, I'm a big advocate for Harry McCurdy because I'm absolutely gagging on seeing that celebration. I mean, why not? Maybe not to start, but you know, bring one of them off the bench, probably McCurdy, to to start well, to to play with Kukarevich. Mark Jenk, that tall and small partnership could be what we're looking for. Maybe I mean, like you said, why not? You know, may as well try things. The, the thing that I'm thinking of, it's all well and good playing two up top. What shape do we play if we're playing two up top? Do we go to a four four two? If so, who do we play out wide? You know, do we play Boyle and who else? Yuan. Tavares, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, you can think, you know, two up top uh, um Kurevich and McCurdy sounds alright. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but my thing is, you know, what what team do you put behind that? What players and what positions do you play behind that? So for me, like I said, I think we'll revert back to a four C C but like I said, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Hey, well, that's a great point. I'm glad that we've got him on, eh? Someone what? talking sense for once. Well, thank I mean? you very much. Oh, came okay, what? I thought you were good, Sean. <laughs> Here we go. It's I, funny, um, every new person that you bring on the pod just gets better and better, so what does it say about the pods before me and Mark are on it? Fucking yeah, shite. That's a good point right there, by the way. Um, Next up, Lewis Connor asks, was Porches beaten far too easily for both goals? For me, it has to be stronger and seemed to go down easily for the equaliser. Sean, we spoke about it earlier on. Do you agree with Lewis? Yeah. Um, it was poor for poor for both, and the way that he's performed all season, he should have done a lot better for both. Never mind just the first one. Yep, uh, I'll put this to the both of you. Is there any changes you'd make for Saturday's squad from Friday? Uh, is it time to raise Boyles? It seems he hasn't been on his game recently, and I'll supplement that with: Do you think he is pulling back a little because he doesn't want to be injured for the World Cup? I think subconsciously, I think he might be. Um, obviously, who would have thought Martin Boyle would be going to a World Cup? Do you know what I mean? He wouldn't have even thought that in his wildest dreams. So I think subconsciously, the, the, the World Cup thought process and everything that comes with that for him will be slipping into his thoughts. And I think he is a targeted player. Um, he gets fouled six, seven, eight, nine time, uh, times a game. So... All he needs is for something to go wrong and then he misses what will be his only World Cup. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that'll be coming into it. What, should, should we drop him? No, because ultimately on his day he's our best player, although he has been off the boil the last um, <laughs> two or three games. Um, so I, I can't see us dropping him, but yes, I do think his dropping form does have a lot to do with um, the World Cup coming up. And it would be very interesting to see 
what shape Johnson goes with and um, what what selection is as well. I know Mark refers to it as a 4-3-3. I see it more as a 2-3-1 um, because it gives whoever is in that 10 more a free roll um, to roam about a bit more and it gives Joe Newell a wee bit more of a, a roam um, in, the, in the so-called eight roll. Um, hopefully Noah Kenny comes back in though. Yeah, Mark, any changes you'd make? Yeah, I think Kenna has to come back in. I think the, the composure he brings to that midfield is invaluable. I think it allows Newell... The problem I've got with Newell is, and we were talking a wee bit about earlier, about being aggressive and going for going for teams' throats. I think that's where Newell sometimes lets us down a wee bit because he's so neat and tidy, he's so pretty on the ball and he does things so nice, but I just and he wins the ball really well. He's got that aggressiveness done, but he just doesn't have that bite going forward. Um, but yeah, in terms of changes, I think Kenna comes in. I don't think we drop Martin Boyle, but I agree that probably subconsciously he is holding back a little bit because, you know, what would you rather do? Go all out in a cinch Premiership game against St Mirren with the risk of missing the World Cup or hang back a wee bit and go fully fit into the World Cup? But um, yeah, I don't think we'll drop him. I think he'll he'll stay in because on his days, unplayable. Yeah, I agree. And that was Haley who asked that. So thanks, Haley. Uh, I forgot to shout you out before. Um, <clears throat> we've got a question coming from some guy called Martin Corrigan. I'm not too sure if anyone knows who he is. Uh, he asks, will you be at the game tomorrow and will you rate the pies as well? So, Mark, it'll be your, it would be your, your second ever pie review, Sean. You've not done a pie review yet and Craig hasn't reviewed the Easter Road pies either. If the pie, if the pie uh, stalls are open, will you be reviewing the pies? I will be because Craig bought my ticket, so I'll be buying a, him a pie and myself a pie if it's uh, open. So there will be a review to be had. What about yourself, Mark? Um, I've probably had my dinner by that point, to be honest. I mean, I've had about a billion <laughs> Easter Road pies anyway, so I could, I could just... Well, just have one. Aye, just the one. Aye, <laughs> just the one, just the one. Um, and then we've got a question from Kevin he asks <laughs> and I put this in a group chat earlier on uh, Kevin's second question he says in the spirit of Lana Wolf, which Hibs pub is best suited to a porn star's birthday party definitely not asking for a friend and I'll answer first and I'll say I think the Hibs club is a good show why? I can't believe she's actually getting a mention on this podcast that is terrible um, I'll second that I would think it would be in fact, it would either be the Hibs Club or um, Derek Riordan's pub. I feel like one of those that's two not, would have, um, I know, but that's not Derek Riordan's pub anymore. It's like a wee trendy, it's a wee shouldn't place. Exactly. Was oh, it? Did it get changed? Uh, yeah, it's changed again now. Oh, well, Hibs, Hibs Club it is. Who, where do you think, Mark? I'll be in bar. Get Lee <laughs> Johnson involved. Get the players involved. Maybe that'll make them more aggressive. You know? do, you think, do you think Ben Kensel would give that the green light? He would. I think he would. I think he'd be writing about it. He is a, I bet so he's many, a pure playboy. So many horny hybies in the album. <laughs> um, we've got one from some guy called Colin McLennan. He says, which player past or present would make a better Prime Minister than Rishi Sunak? Should we get involved in politics? I feel like we probably shouldn't. Keep politics in the ramble. I, I mean... We've- be fair though, right? And I don't have any. I, I'm not getting involved in a political conversation in any way. But how do we know he's a bad prime minister? I know the job, whatever. Come on, play the game, eh? I what, am. What player would make? Does, uh, uh, Michael Stewart. 
<laughs> he, he he dipped his toe in the political water, did he not, Michael Stewart? I'll go with Michael Stewart. I'll go with Jason Cummins. Because imagine living <laughs> in a country ruled by Jason Cummins. That'd Some be dystopian shit right there. That'd be something we'll have. I'll go for Rob Jones. You go for Rob Jones. I he was a good he was a good leader, eh? So Great in the air. That's what a Prime Minister needs these days. Absolutely. So that, I mean, that concludes all our questions for this week. Um, although we did put up a picture, <laughs> a picture on Twitter of uh, us all posing um, as the, the Hibs Ramble lineup, and um, Chelsea McCormack commented asking if we're bringing out a calendar. So I don't know if you lads would be up for bringing out a, a calendar, a wee topless calendar. Anyway, you've covered a few months anyway, Liam, so you'd be alright. I've covered a few months with one picture. That was my point, aye. Just for explaining. <laughs> Cheers for clarifying, mate. Oh, I, don't, I don't think anyone wants to see that, let alone pay for it, so I'm going to go with no. Ah, well. Hey, never mind. The demand peeled for uh, the Hibs Ramble 2023 calendar. So, yes, just before we wrap up, we'll have a wee chat about St. Murn at home, will we? Um, I had a wee look at their last five games. They've won three, uh, had one draw and one loss. Um, obviously, they beat Celtic. They beat Livy. No, they've not won three, drawn one and lost one because that'd be, that'd be six, wouldn't it? Quick no, wouldn't. Oh, I fucked it here. I fucked it here. Do you want to start that again? Yeah. I, I, thought, I, I thought I wrote down all the all the results, but I think I've missed one. So they've won three, drawn one, and uh, lost one. But their away games are three loss and one win so far this season. I know St Man have had a good start, Mark, but do you think they are there for the taking on Saturday? Uh, we should look. If we show up and we play at our best, we should beat them. And that's a really cliche answer, but we we should. Ultimately, we, we, man for man, we're better than them. I just hope, because we were at the game when we played them, um, away from home and we were abysmal definitely our worst performance of the season maybe part of Celtic Park but um, we were terrible really really poor that day so hopefully we'll go out and we prove a point about the improvements that have been made since then and it's obviously important we bounce back but you know the thing about this engine it's shaping up to be what it was like last season it's really tight from sort of third all the way down to maybe eighth and I think it'll continue like that for the rest of the season. So winning pretty much every game outside of the old firm is so important. It carries that wee bit extra weight, in particular at home. So, yeah, it's an important game. Hopefully bounce back up to third and start to open up a wee gap. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Sean, I've pinpointed Ayunga from St Mirren as their danger man. He's scored six times and assisted three times in 14 appearances in all comps this season. Would he be the man that you'd be warning uh, the Hibs players about if you were Lee Johnson? Um, well, more more than likely, considering the way that he's been playing this season. So, um, certainly some some impressive stats, especially for a Samaritan player. Um, hopefully that stops this weekend. Um, it's it's weird. They're such a they're such a gang, Samaritan, and it, it, they just seem to be gelling so well. Um, and creating lots of chances so um, hopefully we're back at being tight at the back as we were prior to our three defeats and now we can keep it tight at the back and shut up shop and then actually take one of our chances this weekend. I think the thing with St Mirren is that now they've got Stephen 
Robinson in charge is that he's so good at picking out a player. You know, he did it when he was at Motherwell. He had quite a lot of um, quite a lot of good players that he brought up from, you know, the, the ditches of England, the bowels of England, and uh, and made them half decent. I think he's done a similar thing with St Mirren, and they have gelled pretty well. Obviously, they got that win against Celtic that really kind of kicked them on for the, for the start of the season. Um, we have touched a little bit on the lineup, but we we do need to talk about the new players. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll pick out we'll pick out McCurdy. I feel Mark that Harry McCurdy's got a, a lot of a lot of stick for for the way that he's playing when he's come on. But how can we expect these players to make an impact when they're one coming on for you know minutes at a time, and then two they're getting played out of position or not in a shape that they're used to. How can we judge them on that? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's still very early days, isn't it? And the thing with McCurdy, I think he's suffering from not scoring yet. That might sound silly, but, you know, there's been opportunities and where he's just trying to force things or he's taking the shot when he maybe should have squared it or he could have crossed it, things like that. I think that will maybe change once he gets that goal, his first goal, and he becomes a wee bit more relaxed and comfortable. I thought he's looked good in spells. He's so quick and he's got good feet. I just think he needs to relax a wee bit more in games and start not forcing things. Yeah, we want to be aggressive, we want to be on the front foot, but have a look up sometimes. It's no all about running and getting down the line and taking the shot. You know, have a look up, get the ball in the box. You know, that one against Dundee United in particular, I think there was a couple of times when he could have easily squared it and we scored a goal, but he didn't. So I think once he gets to that goal and he becomes more comfortable, I think we've got a good player in, in our day. Is there any other players, Sean, that you think that are getting kind of that are falling sacrifice to this? You're only getting a couple of minutes. Oh, Sean's away. Are you still there, Sean? No, I'm holding my counter then. <laughs> I was listening to the question. Is, uh, so, do you think there's any other players that are falling sacrifice to this kind of you know being played? I don't want to say out of position, but not being like not are not fitting into a system, but playing in a system that they're not used to and only getting limited minutes. I think a lot. I think a lot of the players that we brought in, because of the the vast number of players that we brought in, they were going to need the time to gel. It's no coincidence that when Lee Johnson put a run together of the same starting eleven, which pretty much played 90 minutes for most games, with this the same formation as well. It's no coincidence that we started to get results and these players were playing well. I feel like um, everything that's just been said about. McCurdy could have easily have been said about Yuan, but obviously Yuan's had the benefit of actually starting some games. Um, for me, Yuan's more of a, a striker through the middle, um, as is McCurdy, but McCurdy's probably, especially last season, played more games out wide, so that position is probably more familiar to him than it is to Yuan as well. Um I think there's a, a lot of our players, especially in the attacking attacking positions, just need a break. Not in regards to being dropped or anything, but they need to catch a break in regards to getting the right bounce of the ball and things like that as well. And you've got to remember, we've got players like Ewan Henderson in the middle of the, that can come in and play in the middle of the park, who's meant to be a creative player. You've got Melkerson again, who on Friday night warmed up with the squad, but wasn't in the, the squad at all. You've got players like that that, in my opinion, should either be on the park or getting more minutes, and, and they're just not. Um, 
players who have played for us for a wee bit longer than the likes of McCurdy, Kukarevic, Yuan, um, we should maybe be worth maybe chucking them in. Um, the Melkerson one baffles me. Um, I just wondered if maybe because he's warming up. He's, he's, he's warmed up with the team the last two games and not been in the squad whatsoever. I understand that you take a match day squad of 20 in case there are injuries so that people can, you know, well, fill came the bench. Well, he never came on against Sunday United. He was on the bench against United, wasn't he? I don't think he, I don't think he was, you know. can't remember. He, 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 he warmed up at Celtic and he warmed up on Friday and wasn't, wasn't on the pitch. Um, so I feel like out of all the other players that maybe aren't getting a run of games or any minutes in the park, I feel like he's being hard done by because if I was him, I'd be certainly knocking on Lee Johnson's door and saying, listen, our strikers aren't performing, we're not scoring goals. Why why am I not getting any minutes? Why am I not even getting on the bench? Um, and there's other players on that bench that could be saying the same thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, we'll wrap that up there. But before we go, we'll have a wee prediction. Uh, every week we we give you our predictions for the game coming so we'll come to you first Mark what's your predictions for Saturday I'm going to go 2-1 Hibs that's ambitious as well you know given the way that we've been playing Sean what do you think uh, I'm going to go one all. oh yeah, see my, my head like my head says you know like one all or 2-2 two, two, yeah I, I, or something I, 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 I and that I just I just think that the way that St Mirren are playing and they remind me a lot of Ross County last season when Ross County like started picking up results and getting result after result after result. They were just a gangy absolute nobodies with like maybe one decent player in there and I think St Mirren are reminding me a lot of that this season. Um they're gonna be very, very tough to break down. We touched on Boyle, you know, just not being at the races recently. A lot of our creative stuff comes through him. Uh, a lot of our players have been off the boil the last three or four games, and unfortunately, I, I just obviously I hope I'm wrong. I really, really do because we need to get as many wins before the break as possible. Yeah. Um, but I think the momentum that Saint Mirren have at the moment, um, and how high intensity they played against Celtic when they got the big win, I just don't think. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I don't think we're going to be able to cope with St Mirren on Saturday. That's embarrassing to say, but I think I think all. they'll shite themselves. I really do. I think they'll come to Easter Road and they'll shite themselves. Oh, you're just hoping. You're just hoping. I'm going to we go. Need to start, we need to start uh, taking a note of these predictions, by the way, and then doing a wee league table. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be top of the league with <laughs> the predictions that we... I think Craig was right once and he's milked it for a bit five weeks now eh? but I'm going to go with 1-0 Hibs I think we'll sneak it Liam's only one up to get a, a right prediction so far we've been doing it for yeah. four weeks Liam's Liam we all got Celtic wrong I got one right Craig got one right the first week we've done it Um. so what well, just went 1-0 then I'll go 1-0 Hibs I hope so be happy with that absolutely delighted with that bite your hand off for it but anyway We'll wrap up there. Um, thank you very much for joining me, lads. Mark, I hope you've enjoyed your debut podcast. I hope it's been uh, everything that you hoped and wished it would be. It's been a pleasure, lads. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, Craig. Hopefully, Craig's meeting's finished by then, um, so we can <laughs> review the the St Mirren game. And um, yeah, in the meantime, if you want to go and listen to any of our other content, we've got. 
uh, a shirt list that Sean and I did. Uh, uh, well, fucking ages ago now. And um, our WeChat with Block 7. If you want to go back and listen to some non-game day related content uh, there on our YouTube, on our Apple, Spotify, all the rest of it. If you want to find us on social media, we are at the Hibs Rambo on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we will catch you next week for a review of the St. Mirren game. Cheers. Bye-bye. Adios. Cheers. Cheers.